You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Podcast, excuse me, Beam. I can't even talk out of hey, the man. gates today. Man. It's okay. It's Thursday. Mushmouth. I get it. And it happens all the time. Matt Hayes, Brandon B from 97.1 The Fan. We got a guest today. My man from Letterman Row, Austin Ward. You know him from Twitter. Find him always on Twitter, Letterman Row. Austin, what's up, brother? How you doing? I wish I wasn't always on Twitter, but I guess that's just where I have to live. You know? It's kind of like part of your job, man. I mean, a lot of people know you from there, and you've been—I've been following you for years, and you do a great job covering the Buckeyes. So, real quick, before we look ahead to what's to come, Tulane, Penn State. Just going back to the game against TCU. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that game? Well, you know, it was—it was a way for a lot of guys to step up to the plate. Certainly, um, how it impacts Ohio State moving forward is Nick Bosa. You know, heading to the locker room. You know, I, the way I put it uh, on Saturday night is, you know, seeing him come around the edge. Uh, if you're an opposing quarterback, that's the most terrifying sight that you can see, or an opponent, uh, offensive line, uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, but for Ohio State, the most scary thing they can ever see is Nick Bosa laying on the ground. So uh, those, that's a big thing. We don't know yet exactly how long uh, this groin or abdominal injury is going to last. Uh, we know that he's not going to play against Tulane, um, but if you were talking about just Saturday night alone against the Horned Frogs, you know, you had Jonathan Cooper and Draymond Jones and, uh, you know, Malik Harrison down the stretch all step up and help fill that void. It's a huge one. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, I'm sure we're going to talk about the defensive breakdowns and the long plays, but I think Ohio State stepped up enough on both sides of the ball. When you go uh, to a neutral site game, even if you have more fans in the building, it's still pretty close. It was a shorter travel day for TCU and all that. I mean, that's a meaningful victory. And however you can get it, you have to feel good. Um, but Ohio State saw some adversity in that game. They were down at halftime. Uh, and they wound up winning it without Nick Bosa by double digits. I think that's significant. And I think it tells you how good uh, this Ohio State team can be and that it is an actual national title contender at this point. So, Austin, you know, um, you know, obviously we're waiting to hear the news on Nick Bosa. He goes down. Uh, but let's say, you know, worst case scenario, all right, like, uh, worst case scenario in my books is he misses the biggest game of the year in Penn State. And then uh, the longer that we go without that information, the more that seems to be likely just the way that he looked, how he was walking uh, to come back into the stadium, come back into Jerry World uh, wearing, street coat, wearing street clothes. So my question is that even without Nick Bosa, do you think that this defensive line can still be a top five one in college football? Because when I watch it, you know, you got Chase Young, like you mentioned, you have Jonathan Cooper, you got Draymond Jones, you have Bob Landers, who gets off the ball faster than any defensive lineman in college football, it seems. So do you think they'll still be in that top elite caliber defensive line, even missing the best player, in my opinion, in Nick Bosa in college football? Yeah, it, you know, it's it's hard for me to sit and, and say – Definitely top five. Um, I just I don't know everyone, so I'm going to hedge my bet a little, and I'm going to say that they would still be, in my mind, the best in the Big Ten. That's how much talent there is in reserve. It, you know, it's it's a blow to lose a guy that I say, you know, unabashedly is a Heisman Trophy candidate. People laugh it off every time. I've been saying it since the summer. If somebody was going to buck this trend, you look at the statistical production that Nick Bosa was giving. I absolutely think he had the the potential 
to break a streak. Would it would have taken something historic, but he was doing that in every single game. Anyway, uh, to move on to your point, you know, I think the fact that you've seen Tyreek Smith out there on the field for these first three games already tells you that they have another elite guy in the pipeline who they weren't afraid to get reps because, uh, you know, things aren't always going to go perfectly. You know, if you had to pick one guy that they didn't want to lose, obviously it would be Bosa, but any injury to, to Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper is going to force somebody else to step into that lineup, whether you also have somebody like Tyler Friday trying to work in there. You have uh, potentially, let's just say, if that worst-case scenario, Beamer, that you laid out happens, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you have Draymond Jones take some reps on the outside because you have Tommy Togiai and Teron Vincent pushing for action at defensive tackle. So, you know, I, that's why I hesitate to put maybe the, the national label on it, but you know, there is still just an absurd amount of depth and talent on that defensive line. And by the way, they're still coached by Larry Johnson, who you know is going to get the most out of them. So, you know, I think they can survive. Uh, you know, I, the, the reason that I look at this as if it lingers and if it keeps Nick Bosa out against Penn State, the only reason I really look at it as a minor bit of concern is that Ohio State right now defensively is leaning so much on that front four uh, to handle the entire defense and set the tone because there have been those growing pains in the seven, you know, in the back seven, not specifically seven guys, but um, that, have a, that have caused some of those breakdowns. You know, you, so you want to have your best player on the field. You want to have your best unit at full strength because that unit is really what drives the entire defense for Ohio State. Austin Ward from Letterman Road joining us here on the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Go follow him on Twitter at Sports. Austin, I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball here now because when Urban kind of came out and said that he's going to continue to let Ryan Day and these Kevin Wilson and his offensive coaching staff continue to do their thing, I think that's going to be valuable because with Dwayne Haskins back there, I don't think that they should go to the heavy RPO system that we've seen throughout the years under Urban Meyer. Do you think this is going to be a good thing moving forward? I think it's the right thing for Ohio State to do, and I, I think if you're an Ohio State fan, you want Urban Meyer to stick with that plan. Um, you know, when he says game manager, uh, that does still mean, uh, from what I've seen in the past, that he could use that veto, that final voice coming out and say, you know what, I want to see the quarterback run the ball. <laughs> you know, um, and that's, I think, what everybody has in their mind for, um, you've seen from these three weeks and with Dwayne Haskins out there, that they want to avoid getting into that situation where it's JT Barrett or Braxton Miller uh, or even in some respects, Cardale ran the ball an awful lot, even in that postseason run, you know, that they wanted to move away from that, especially with two tailbacks as good as Dobbins and Weber are, especially with Haskins' arm, especially with all those wide receivers. It's just not, you know, it's not necessary. Now, they did use it to affect uh, TCU on Saturday and score a touchdown with Dwayne Haskins, but that's using it in small doses. And I think that maybe, I hate to even phrase it this way, but, you know, head coaches rarely get a chance to watch their own team and see how they might be able to improve, you know, their own philosophies, their own schemes, their own game plans. Um, In no way would this be any sort of condoning of the suspension, but Urban Meyer had to watch his team for three weeks succeed without him. And maybe that was what it would take for the light to come on that, you know, maybe he had leaned far too much on that aspect of the game uh, and it had been, a negative impact on the Buckeyes. Um, and that's just purely from the football side of it. That's the only thing I'm talking about. And I, I think that when you have guys of the caliber of Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, you know, they know what they're doing. Uh, it's okay to let them you know, handle the offense and, 
and make the, the tough decisions. It doesn't always have to come from Urban Meyer, and I think that um, this was probably a really good reminder for that. And the longer he sticks with that and can be patient and let them do their job, I think the better off Ohio State will be. I know that um, you know you just talked about it right there, Urban. Watching his team, even on his press conference on Monday, he said that you know he couldn't couldn't really watch the games. He uh, would go to a different room and uh, he would pace around his house and he would have his daughter tell him to come in and watch the good plays. Um, <laughs> you know, which is it's so fascinating to me because now he's living like every other Ohio State fan, where you're pacing back and forth in front of the TV and you're watching <laughs> the game with one hand over your eye. Um, but Austin, when uh, when you have a coach like Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano uh, coaching this team in lieu of Urban Meyer, now Urban comes back. What do you think he learned most about his defense? Because I think, uh, you know, when exactly what you said, you're watching your offense go, and maybe that was the light that clicks on and said, listen, they're calling plays exactly to Dwayne Haskins' strength. But more so on the defensive side, uh, it's been a huge problem for Ohio State this year, giving up chunk plays. They gave up the 93-yard run. Uh, it was the longest in school history they gave up. So what do you think that he is going to bring to the defensive side of the ball, even this week against Tulane or going forward? I know that's not his strong suit, but right. what adjustments do you think they may make going forward with the defense to limit those big-time chunk plays? Yeah, I think that the question he would ask, and, and I, I'm not an expert here on the X's and O's, but I try to get a lot of input from some of our uh, you know, former players that help us at Letterman Row. And one of the things that I'm trying to get a better grasp on here is if it's really just a matter of growing pains and guys forgetting their assignments and freelancing, or if it's a schematic thing and Ohio State is actually cheating on some of these plays and then getting burned by their scouting report. And I, the, the play that comes to my mind here specifically is the longest one allowed in school history, uh, the 93-yard mm-hmm. run uh, that – and you and you see Malik Harrison. Uh, people talk about Isaiah Pryor and the angle on the back end. I think that the focal point there is Malik Harrison didn't balance the numbers in the formation. And he and Greg Schiano alluded to this yesterday. And I, he, I don't know that he was specifically talking about that play or not. But again, it's trying to figure out these issues. And they didn't see something on film, so they were trying to put four guys to one side and then got outnumbered on the counter going the other way. To me. It looked as if Malik Harrison, you know, jumped out of his gap, and that's what happened. Now, was he told to do that, or was that a, another example of a young player thinking that he can make that impact that way? And I can't 100% answer that question, but I think that that would be what Urban Meyer is asking. You know, are these caused solely by young players who are still learning, who still don't know that you have to do exactly what is told, that the scheme works, or is the scheme not working? Are they not putting the proper game plan together? Have they learned that? Are they not doing enough scouting? Are they getting burned by other teams that are picking up tendencies defensively? Um, you know, he, if, if Urban Meyer doesn't know 100%, doesn't want to spend all of his time in the defensive meetings, I think you sit in the staff room and say, answer that question for me. What do you think is the problem? Because if it's if it's guys that can't handle the assignments, then you got to try different guys. Whether that's Sean Wade in the secondary, whether that's you know, whoever you want to throw out there, Baron Browning, Keandre Jones, you know, whatever you want to do, Justin Hilliard at linebacker, if you think that's the issue, you know, I think that there's a ton of confidence in Malik Harrison. He, and he finished with that interception to seal the game. Uh, so I don't mean this to be all about him today, but if we're looking at just that one play and that's an error for him, I mean, you can't continue to have that happen. Uh, and it was similar to one of the ones in the Oregon State game. So you have to you, you look at that 
say, are we are we teaching that wrong, or do we need to just have a different guy handle the play? So, I, again, to me, I don't have the answer, but I think that's the question that's being asked. Austin, last one here for you. I want to talk about these receivers because I think it's been, it's been such a valuable asset for this offense to have when you talk about the Paris Campbells, the Johnny Dixons, the K.J. Hills, all these veteran receivers that decided to come back, Terry McLaurin, all these big play guys with Dwayne Haskins, just the combination of his arm and their deep speed getting down the field. I mean, just talk about that, how valuable it was that in your mind for those guys to return for this season because without them, I, I don't think a lot of Buckeye fans know about the young guys behind them, but they know what they're getting from these uh, veteran guys every single week. And these have also been some guys that throughout their career they've not received the most growing right. endorsements. Right. You know, and that uh, So the way that they've – uh, embrace the opportunity to come back, the work that they've done. You know, I didn't. I thought that they made an improvement last year. There are people that, you know, still didn't think that they uh, were all that uh, dynamic as game changers, but I, I could see improvement. And then I thought once they made that decision to come back, uh, certainly when it, in regards to Paris Campbell and, and Johnny Dixon, uh, and Terry, you can throw Terry McLaurin in there too. I didn't know how realistic that could be for him to go to the NFL, but, you know, whatever. He faced the decision and chose to come back. All of those guys – have embraced that challenge. They remember what it was like to walk off the field against Clemson and know that they made no impact on the game whatsoever and there was zero on the scoreboard. I think that that's driven them. I really believe that, and I think it does help that Brian Hartline uh, seems to be in their ear a little bit more and that he's got that NFL experience as a route runner. He still looks like an NFL wide receiver when he's on the practice field, when I, what I've seen. Um, I think all of that helps. You know, you look at the work that even when Austin Mack was putting the football on the ground – all the routes were still really solid. It was just a matter of maybe some mental issues piling up and lack of confidence. Um, the touchdown route that K.J. Hill ran for Dwayne Haskins on that big score, I don't think you're going to see much better than that. Yeah. Uh, and then make it an, an adjustment on the football. So, I mean, I think you, you make a good, great point, Maddie, about these wide receivers. You know, I, Dwayne Haskins is going to make a lot of people look good just because this is you know three weeks of starting reps. I have no problem saying that he looks like an NFL quarterback. That definitely helps, but he's not doing it alone. Right. Um, and you're seeing, you know, Paris Campbell being much more consistent when the football comes his way. You know, Terry McLaurin getting turned loose uh, to do what he does and, and making big plays. And then Johnny Dixon, when every time he's thrown his way, it's a touchdown. So uh, those guys are a big part of this. I think they deserve the credit that you're giving them. Awesome. That's been amazing, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. And uh, we'll, we'll get everybody towards Letterman Row and your Twitter handle, no doubt. So thanks for getting, <laughs> thanks for giving us some time, man. Appreciate it. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thanks, awesome. That's Austin Ward from Letterman Row. We're going to take a quick break here, but before I do that, I want to let you know about our friends from my book. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my book. You remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. Visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie MYB. O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCK25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. When we come back, Beam had his eye on a list, and he's got beef with this list. We'll talk about that when we come back right after this. You are Locked On Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. So, Beam, you brought this to my mm-hmm. attention, and, I, and I've got the list right in front of right. me, and this is about our guy, Dwayne Haskins, yeah. right? Because we've been talking our about our guy, Dwayne Haskins. We've been talking about this for the last couple weeks starting this pod, and when we've seen him play at a high level, it's been absolutely ridiculous. 
Um, we have said right now that we think he's probably the best quarterback in the country. Look, what Tua is doing down there is absolutely yep. incredible. But from what I've seen, my personal opinion, I take Dwayne Haskins over Tua right now. You're splitting hairs. They're both phenomenal. We both know that they're Heisman candidates as well. If, if we were picking the absolutely Heisman today, they are. I think all of these guys would be in New York right now. But according to ESPN, Dwayne Haskins is not yet there. They put out a list after week four for their Heisman watch, right? Kyler Murray. Okay. Tua, Will Greer, and that's it. I mean, and that's what I don't understand is that, you know, it's just, it's really unbelievable to me is that a guy who walks into this offense, an Ohio State offense, who you know is going to be electric every year, and this is something that, you know, JT Barrett battled for years, was that he just, he didn't put up the passing numbers. Uh, He put up the running numbers, all that was good. You know, he shattered every Big Ten passing record uh, that you can imagine, but what I don't understand is how a quarterback can come in and play as flawlessly as Dwayne Haskins can right. in his first three college football games. Uh, the guy has, you know, three 300-yard games, I believe, uh, in his first three. And if he didn't get to 300 against Rutgers, that's because he, he was taken out of the game early. But I know that he got to 300 against TCU, and I know that he got to 300 against uh, Oregon State. Right. What I just don't get is that a guy who played in the first half of the first two games of the season, so there's one entire game right there, he played in the full TCU game, and he's got better numbers than all three of those quarterbacks. He's got better numbers than Tua, he's got better numbers than Kyler Murray, and he has better numbers than Will Greer, and Will Greer didn't play a game last week. Now listen, I think Will Greer is a phenomenal player. I think he is a very, very good uh, quarterback for the Big 12. Uh, And I realize the first three games of the year – all three of these teams haven't really played the best competition. So from my viewpoint, Maddie, it's just this guy who is third in the betting favorites (laughs) is not even listed by ESPN. And I was looking at uh, Pro Football Focus, too, and they had a list of 10 guys who they listed uh, in there for their Heisman list, and it was Will Greer, Justin Herbert, the quarterback for Oregon, Mackenzie Milton, the quarterback for Central Florida, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor, the running back for Wisconsin, Benny Snell, who I think is a fantastic player for the University of Kentucky, A.J. Brown, the receiver for Ole Miss, Miss. good player, LaVisca Chenault, who is a receiver for Colorado. Can I get that name again? LaVisca Chenault Jr. Amazing. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive lineman for Mississippi State. Ed Oliver, defensive lineman for Houston. You know him. He's He's a beast. And then Nick Bosa. So those we know were him. yeah, and those were your top ten. But the thing that I can't understand for the life of me is if you're going to put out these lists, you have to wipe Justin Herbert, Mackenzie Milton, Jonathan Taylor now with that loss. Gone. He's gone. See Benny ya. Snell's gone. AJ Brown's gone. Lavisca Chenault Jr.'s gone. Yeah. Jeff Simmons is gone. And Ed Oliver, they're all they're gone all off of that list. And we know we know how hard it is for defensive players to win the Heisman. Nick Bosa talked about this because he was a candidate coming into the year after week two. This guy was talking about possibly you know reporters uh, were asking about it. I don't think it's possible. Exactly, as a player to win. And we both. I mean, you would have to put up. Absurd, ungodly like numbers, out, yeah. ungodly numbers. Sacks, exactly probably. something like that so we know this is a quarterback driven award it's going to continue to be that way mm-hmm. it's been a minute since a running backs won this thing i mean you look at what bryce love put up last year his oh, numbers derrick henry was the last exactly one, right? right so you're talking about bryce love ran for two thousand yards a year ago and he got to new york but we all knew in the back of our mind that's going to a quarterback and with the baker mayfield sure. we all figured that that was the case so now getting this thing back to what we were talking about with this espn poll that that they put out i think it's ridiculous because like you mentioned Beam, you talk about the number 
numbers. Dwayne Haskins right now, 13th in the country in passing yards. I mean, I, I mean, and that's ahead of all the guys that you mentioned. Khalil Tate, Kyler Murray's at 15, Justin Herbert, who I'm excited to see this weekend play against Stanford. I think sure. this is going to be a coming out party for him because I don't think a lot of people know him. I, I, all of, and I'm not saying that all these players, good are, players are good players, but when you actually take a look at what the Heisman has been and will forever be, exactly. right or wrong, you know that these guys have no chance. No doubt. No doubt they about it. They have no chance no. unless your team is 11-1, 12-0, and gets to a college football playoff or gets very damn right. close, right. then you don't have a chance. And, and I just I can't understand why we're being unrealistic with this award and throwing players like that out there. Yeah. You know, you get other awards. You get wide receiver awards. Yeah. You get the Doe Campbell Award, uh, everything else. But when you look at the Heisman – we know what that award no is. No doubt about it. And here's the thing. I think Dwayne is going to have a real chance. Not that, Well, this week he'll have a chance to pat those numbers even more. Sure. But people are going to wait and see what he does at Penn State. And I think that, Rightfully so. And I think that's fair. But when we're talking about this scenario right here where he's not on this list of current guys that are in the Heisman race, I think it's absolutely absurd. And Will Greer... Look, he's a good quarterback. Yes, he is. Very good, and but, I like West Virginia. But we both know, coming from those con- that conference, those numbers are a bit inflated. Yeah. Because they don't play a lick of defense down there except for TCU, the team that we saw last week. So you always got to take that with a grain of salt. But as far as Dwayne goes, we will continue to talk about this week by week, day by day, because this is something that's becoming a real thing as far as his Heisman candidacy and what's going to happen at the end of the year when it comes to him making a decision, do I go to the league or not? I think that's a real thing, and we're going to talk about that in our next block. Beam, do you have a message from our folks at FanDuel? I do. I do. Well, yeah, I you do. Duel. I do, Matty. That's right. Uh, I was telling you guys about FanDuel this week. One of my buddies played last weekend in one of their games and actually won $750 from it. Uh, some new game game modes in FanDuel this year. Uh, you can play with friends. FanDuel hasn't been the best recently about being able to play with your friends. You have Beat the Score. Beat the Score is a new contest type uh, where instead of having to come up in top place a Amongst a sea of competitors, you just have to beat a preset score. Anyone who beats the score wins money. Pretty simple. The results is more people winning, which we like. Go to FanDuel. Check my guys out. I told you yesterday that my guy Jordan Howard for the Chicago Bears against a porous Arizona Cardinals defense porous. this weekend in the desert. That will be your lock for the week uh, for FanDuel. So go to, go to FanDuel and check our guys out. This is Locked on Buckeyes. Your team every day. All right, so we were talking about Dwayne in the last block about, you know, where he should be in the Heisman race right now. And I saw this yesterday, Beam, and I thought it was really interesting. Dane Brugler, NFL Mm -hmm. draft analyst for The Athletic, uh, was doing a radio hit. And he came out with this quote right here. And I'll drop the quote before I let you know what he was talking about. And the quote was, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And what he was answering was a question about Dwayne Hastings at the end of the year being the QB1 beam of the draft and I don't think Buckeye fans have fully wrapped their minds around that being a possibility or even wrapped their minds around him being a one and done because right now everybody's so caught up in what he's doing and we haven't but we have when we have and this is something that we talked about before the season even started yeah because while this quarterback class is pretty strong the Greers, the Herberts, all those guys. My guy from Missouri, Locke, Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. You'll see him play this weekend. He's got a, a nice game coming up on Saturday. But for Dwayne, I think the upside is so much higher than all of those guys because he's just getting started. We've seen these guys for the last couple of years where you're talking about Greer and Herbert. These guys have played more than Dwayne sure. has. So we've got more film and we kind of know what those guys are. But when it comes to Dwayne, 
these NFL coaches are going to see that this guy can stretch the field with the best of them. Yep. And in the league with the NFL right now, where it's all about pass catchers and the passing guy being the quarterback, this is going to be a big-time thing to monitor, Beam. And it would not shock me one lick if Dwayne Haskins decides to go to the NFL and he is the first quarterback taken. Now, he may not be the number one overall pick. That's on the board. But I think for for sure, the Buckeye fans listening to this beam should wrap their minds around it and realize that this is a real thing that's only going to continue to grow and grow and grow as seven takes the field. Not only wrap your mind around it, get ready for it. Embrace uh, it. Yeah, you got hey, You have to embrace it. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago that uh, as soon as Dwayne Haskins took the field in that first half against Oregon State, that was he was immediately going to be the best. Ohio State quarterback to ever play in the NFL. It's not a very high bar, uh, which is a surprising, which is a different topic for a different day. Uh, but Dwayne Haskins, Matty, just the way, and I know we keep going back to the same well here, but just the way that uh, he he litters the ball around the field, man. He can scatter it with the best. He can throw out routes. He can throw in routes. He can throw deep. He can throw comebacks, short routes, whatever you want. Whatever you need. It's a he buffet. Can, yeah, he, he can evade pressure. Uh, I'm not saying he's the most mobile quarterback in the world, but he's mobile enough well, to get around. He can sure. flush the pocket, and he can scoot if a play breaks down. Right. And I think when you look at Dwayne Haskins and the ability that he has to literally just plant in the pocket and step up and rifle that ball in pick there. Pick you apart. And pick you apart. These, This is what NFL scouts dream about. No doubt. Because look at what Baker Mayfield gets knocked for. Oh, he's not big enough. Yep. You know, he's he's uh, he's got the arm talent, but he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. Yep. He The play breaks down too early, and he likes to run the ball. I haven't seen any of this with Dwayne. No, none now, of granted, the first two weeks were uh, borderline cupcake games sure, that sure. he was playing. Right. But you saw a game against TCU where he was absolutely going wild. Going nuts. Uh, just throwing the ball over all over the field against a five defensive back set, which is really a disguised nickel formation. Yep. And he was still just picking them apart. And so when I say that Dwayne Haskins is going to go to the league, not only wrap your mind about, around oh. it, you should just 100% get ready no doubt. for that to happen. Get because, ready. F- go ahead. Yes, sorry. Because if this continues the way we expect it to, yeah. and he's in the Heisman contention going into November oh. when Sparty comes in right. and Michigan's, you, you, you entertain Michigan and you go up to East Lansing, then there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. He is a QB1 in yes, the NFL. no doubt about it. And think about this. I mean, think about how small of a sample size Cardell Jones had yeah. and the momentum that he had going into the draft. I mean, look, we were talking about possibly Cardell Jones being the third-round pick beam for playing in, what, three meaningful games. Sure. Three meaningful games. Your guy, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh-huh. One season. One season. That's all it takes, and he was a top-five pick. Two pick in the draft. Number two pick in the draft. You're talking this about happens the, with this kid, and Haskins is better. He's better than those guys. Yeah, I think he's better than those guys. I mean, what this guy is going to be when he turns 26, 27 years old? I mean, he is going when he becomes a grown man for real. Sure, it's going to be a scary sight. And Nick, you mentioned. I mean, he just doesn't have the Josh Allen effect where he's only got the fastball. No. He can throw the changeup. He can throw the curveball. Whatever you need, and that's why I am so high on Dwayne Haskins. And they may, people may not see it now. But like Beams, I guarantee you when we get to the end Guaranteed. of the year, you are going to see these draft analysts having Dwayne Haskins in the, in the top five Rightfully quarterback so. easily. It's not even going to be a debate by the end of the year unless he completely lays, lays an egg the rest of the way. Which he's, I can't see happening. He's got the schedule. He's got the platform. He's got the big-time games, prime-time games, and it's going to start next week against Penn State. And once we get past Penn State, Dwayne Haskins, if he isn't already, will for sure be a household name 
worldwide for college football fans because this guy is that good. And with the receivers that he's had, like he has, when we talked about it with Austin Ward and those guys having the ability to make big plays down the field, because that's the thing. You got to have Heisman moments and you got to have big plays. When Heisman people are watching that and they see, sure. hey, they come into the highlights and they see, hey, here's another 50-yard plus TD for Dwayne Haskins. That's the stuff that's going to stick. Here's a third down and six exactly. with the game on the line. I mean, you throw yeah. that back shoulder fade right to K.J. Hill. Those mm-hmm. are moments that people are going to remember. So, no, this is something that I think we should grasp. And like you said, people get ready because – and also, go get the money. When you have the chance, absolutely get man. the money. Can, I can't knock anybody for going to the league. You I, can't, I can't do it because I, I I hate to see Jalen Smith situations like Jalen Smith in yep. the Fiesta Bowl. We knew he was going to be a top ten lock. So no, this is interesting. That's been the pod for today, Beamer. Any last words? I know we got the Jets and the Brownies tonight. That was that, my last words, be baby. <laughs> Maybe those beer fridges unlock in Cleveland tonight. Enjoy your day, Browns fans. Dilly, Come on, Dilly, get and a that's W. Hopefully, that's it for today. We'll be back. Brandon B. Matt Hayes from ninety-seven point one. The fan. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast.